Okay. Good morning, saints. Praise the Lord for this day. Praise the Lord for Christ. Amen. And his gospel. Let's go before him and ask for his blessing upon his word that he may speak to us. If I speak to you, that won't benefit you much. He has to speak. So let's go before the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we bless you this morning because you are worthy of all glory and blessing. Even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is seated on the right hand of the majesty on high because he made an end to the purification of sin. He perfected all his people by his one offering of himself. We thank you for the testimony of the scriptures, the testimony of the Holy Spirit about this Christ. And I pray now that you speak to us by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures that have been recorded for us. Lord, we honor you for all these whom we have gathered to be with us this morning. May you be with them. May you give them ears to hear and give me ability to speak. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For our text this morning, we are going to be in the book of Genesis 38. Genesis 38. And our message is going to be from verses 1 to 26. And I am in the KJV. Moses recorded for us and said, And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he took her and went into her. And she conceived and bare a son, and he called his name Er. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she called his name Onan. And she yet again conceived and bare a son, and called his name Shelah. And he was at Kazib when she bare him. And Judah took a wife for Er, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. And Er, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord slew him. And Judah said unto Onan, Go into unto thy brother's wife, and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. And the thing which he did displeased the Lord, wherefore he slew him also. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house, till shall my son be grown, 
For he said, lest per adventure he die also, as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. And in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up unto his shipshearers to Timnath, he and his friend here at the Adulamite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his ship. Verse 14, And she put a widow's garments off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not given unto him to wife. And when Judah saw her, he thought her to be a harlot because she had covered her face. And he turned unto her by the way and said, Go to, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What would thou give me that thou mayst come in unto me? And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock and she said, Will thou give me a pledge till thou send it? And he said, What pledge shall I give thee? And she said, Thy signet and thy bracelets and thy staff that is in thine hand. And he gave it, to, gave it her and came in unto her and she conceived by him. And she arose and went away and laid by a veil from her and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he found her not. Then he asked the man of that place, saying, Where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. And he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also the man of the place said, that there was no harlot in this place. And Judah said, Let her take it to her, lest we be ashamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. And it came to pass about three months after that it was told Judah, saying, Tamar thy daughter-in-law hath played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by wardom. And Judah said, Bring her forth and let her be burnt. When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose thieves are, am I with child. And she said, Descend, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet and bracelets and stuff? And Judah acknowledged them and said, she hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Shelah my son, and he knew her again no more. And that is the word of the Lord. It's a lot of words. <laughs> God be praised for recording them for us. By way of title, this is just one story that I could give. Ten titles to the message. I have given it three titles for today. Number one title is Everyone is Pregnant. All right. All right. 
Everyone is pregnant. The number two title is No Halot Was Found. No Halot Was Found. And number three title, What is in Your Hands? What is in your hands? As you probably heard from the dear brothers here, Elder Pickett, my name is Pastor James Guillaume. Berean Sovereign Grace, Columbus, Ohio. And if you have been around the Sovereign Grace community here in Tennessee, you would have seen me from about 2009. And the Lord has joined me with a lot of brothers and sisters from that time. And this is testimony of our continuing friendship and communion in the truth of the gospel. But also you hear that I have some accent by God's doing, right? <laughs> but I speak the same language of Christ. Amen. And everyone who is born of God will hear and understand what it is that I'm saying. But I have been here in the States for 23 years now, having come from Zimbabwe, and so did my wife. And we also have another sister who accompanied us from Zimbabwe also, and a couple other sisters. And a surprise from Sister Elizabeth, who came to here and fellowship with us. But the Lord was pleased to give me the knowledge of his son, who he is, and what he has done, and to declare that message to as many as have been appointed to eternal life. And that is to say I am a sovereign grace preacher and believer first and foremost. And may the Lord help me as he helps you to hear what he has given me to share. Just before we go to the text, I also wanted to acknowledge Elder Barney Johnson. He has been one of my brothers who has helped me to continue in the gospel business. The Lord brought a lot of testimony about Christ to me through him, a lot of encouragement and the love and support. When I am distraught, he is one of the people that I go to see, not to talk about my problems, but just being with him is enough to talk about my problems. Amen. So you, you see him come here with Sister Faye, so I appreciate you, Elder. And with that said, I would like to take you to the text that the Lord gave us for our consideration the consideration of the matter of Christ and how he determined to do our salvation. Yes, I'm sure by now everyone knows that the Old Testament, like the New Testament, does bear witness of the person of Christ. Even in the record of stories that may be revolting to our sensibilities. 
and sense of righteousness. But Christ and his message is hidden in the testimony of those things that are seemingly revolting or repulsive because they bear the offense of the cross. And that's the point. And Genesis 38 is more than a record of tracing the genealogy of Christ, but a gospel testimony. And where we find Christ, even in the picture, even in the shadow, there must also be accompanying good news. And so we go to our text. And we begin from verse 1. And you know that we are done when you get to verse 26. <laughs> verse 1, Genesis 38. And it came to pass at that time that Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. So this is happening in the immediate aftermath of the story of Joseph and how the brothers had plotted together to destroy him because of the visions that he had. And if you recall, Judah had suggested to the brothers that it was not good to kill their own brother, but rather to sell him to the Ishmaelites. And we have that testimony from Genesis 37, 26 to 27, and I'll read it. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were content. So Judah then left and stayed in Adullam about 15 miles northwest of Hebron and he got married to a Canaanite woman with whom they had three sons Air, Onan, and Shelah. Verse 6 of Genesis 38. And Judah took a wife for he, for Air his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. Judah's first son, Air, died because he was wicked. So the Lord killed Judah's son. But he killed him before he had any children with Tamar. Especially in the matter of a son. And according to the custom of marriage of the time, the second son, Onan, was to marry Tamar, the widow of his brother, and raise up offspring for his brother. And this was a God-approved custom then that he would later record the same through Moses in Deuteronomy 25, 5-6 where Moses recorded and said, If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child, 
the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. A husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto him. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead, that his name be not put out of Israel. When the Lord died, who is the brother who came after Levi? It's Judah. It's Christ. I just had to say that because the Lord showed it to me as I was speaking. <laughs> Genesis 38 verse 8. And Judah said unto Onan, in light of that custom, Go in unto thy brother's wife, and marry her, and raise up seed to thy brother. And Onan knew that the seed should not be his, and it came to pass when he went in unto his brother's wife, that he spilled it on the ground, lest that he should give seed to his brother. So, Onan took advantage of the custom for his own gratification, but he did not want to deal with the responsibility of it. So potentially, Onan was going to be a deadbeat dad. <laughs> and his antics displeased the Lord, and God killed him. But see the depth and intimacy of God's involvement and knowledge of his creation. He is, I mean, of all the things that God does on his throne, he's paying attention to what Onan is doing. <laughs> to say God is absolutely sovereign and is involved and meddles in things that you may think he is not involved in, things that are private to us. Even those things that involve sin. And he does this without our invitation. And that to say God is in the business of everyone's business. Without invitation. Because there are some who say, God cannot save you. If you do not invite him and accept him as Lord and Savior. Beloved, if God waits for your invitation, you will never invite him. And no one is saved by inviting Jesus. Jesus invites himself and comes to all that the Father gave him to serve. And that is say, salvation is not in the decision of men and women. It is imposed on us because it is all of grace, of his gracious election, his choosing, his doing, yes, sir. Yes, sir. for his glory. Grace by nature comes uninvited. 
If you're inviting grace, that's not grace. <laughs> Genesis 38, verse 11. Then said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, Remain a widow at thy father's house, till shall my son be grown. For he said, Lest peradventure I die also, as his brethren did. And Tamar went and dwelt in her father's house. Judah has lost two sons already on account of Tamar. And he cannot risk Shelah, the last one. And that is to say, Tamar is a killer woman. Anything that involves her brings about the death of Judah's sons. I hope you can hear the gospel testimony in that. This woman brings about the death of Judah's sons. So, Judah has to take some precautions in his flesh. So, Judah despised Tamar back to her father's house, a very shameful thing for her as a woman of the time. Because culturally, that was saying she had failed to raise a family of her own. Genesis 38, 12 to 14. And in the process of time, the daughter of Shoah, Judah's wife, died, and Judah was comforted and went up into his shipshares to Timnath, he and his friend Hira the Adulamite. So Judah's wife had died, and the days of mourning were over, and Judah had been comforted, and so he thought to go on a mission to his ship shares, to Timnah. In the company of his friend Hira, so Judah has some ship. God wants you to know that Judah had some ship. Many ship that he had to employ ship shares. And we are beginning to develop the gospel testimony of the person of Judah. We have to identify the person of Judah for the story to make sense. Who he is and what he stood for in the gospel narrative. Verse 18. And it was told Tamar, saying, Behold, thy father-in-law goeth up to Timnath to shear his ship. Apparently Judah was a well-known person in this community. And so when he was spotted, some people went and reported to Tamar. They knew where he was going. They knew his mission. Though he had not talked to them, they said he goeth up to Timnath to shear his ship. To say a man on a mission that deals with the care of sheep. That's gospel preaching. And this is what I read about sheep shearing. The writer said, sheep need shearing to remove wool that would not naturally shed. Shearing wool keeps the sheep more comfortable in the warm weather and helps the ship stay clean throughout the rest of the year, 
Spring shearing is crucial to the health of the flock. And he goes on to say, timely shearing sets up the use for a successful lemming season and gives an up-close inspection of the sheep one at a time. When your sheep have all of their wool on it, it is hard to get a close look at them to make sure they're happy and healthy as possible. (laughs) So Judah is on this mission to get closer, to have a closer look at the sheep, to remove the wool that would not naturally shed And that means Christ came on a mission that he may have a close inspection of his ship and to remove that sin that cannot be removed naturally by our own obedience to redeem and cleanse us from all sin. And Jeremiah had this to say, or God had this to say to Jeremiah, to the matter of men and women trying to make themselves righteous by their own works, by their own obedience. In Jeremiah 2.22, God says, Although you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your iniquity is before me declares the Lord. You need not works of righteousness to be clean before God. You need a sheep shearer. Christ Jesus. And faithful gospel preachers will tell the likes of Tamar about Christ. Who he is And what he accomplished on his mission, he came to make and keep the ship clean to remove their old wool of sin. Verse 14. And she put her widow's garments off from her, that's Tamar, and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in in an open place which is by the way to Timnath. For she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not given unto him to wife. So Miss Tamar had a lot of tricks in her bag. She pretended to be a temple prostitute. She put off her widow's garments to say, I have no husband. I am not married. And it means more than that in the gospel context. It means she had no savior. When James is talking about taking care of the widows and the orphans, which is a borrowing from the Old Testament, the whole idea of widows and orphans is saying they don't have a husband and they don't have a father. 
Because all those who are in Christ are not widows. They are married to him. The one who ever lives, Christ is not dead. He rose from the dead that we may be married to him. So he ever lives. But she covered herself as with a veil and wrapped herself. She packaged herself as a prostitute for a gospel testimony and sat in an open place in the way that Judah was passing and deceptively lured her father-in-law because she saw that Shela had grown up and had not yet been given her for a husband. So this is what she conceived to do. But now she took on the identity of a prostitute. Somehow, if she does this, she believes that will answer to the issue that she has with Judah. And when she did, finally she got the attention of Judah. Because Judah would not have had any interest in her as long as she continued to wear those widow's garments. But somehow, Judah is willing to risk his reputation with prostitutes. <laughs> and prostitutes seem to know this weakness about Judah. And they seem to know the route that he uses too. What is that saying? Who is Judah? To get the identity of Judah, we have to go to Genesis 49. God gave us the identity of the person of Judah. We have a wonderful message if the Lord will grant it as such. Genesis 49, this is Jacob blessing his sons. And when he came to Judah, this is what he said. Verse 8 and following. Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Right there. That's Christ. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Unto him shall be the gathering of the people be. Binding his fall unto the vine, and his ass coat unto the choice vine, he washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. And that is say Judah is Christ. He is standing in for the testimony of Christ. 
So it is he who helps us to understand the whole story. As I said, if we miss Judah, we cannot understand Genesis 38. Okay? So let's continue with Genesis 38, verse 15. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be an harlot because she had covered her face. So Judah saw a harlot. He did not see a tamer. And that is what informed his next move. Judah has no interest in such who are not harlots. Do you have to understand this? Judah is not interested in anyone who is not a harlot. Why? Because as our brother said earlier, quoting from Mark 2 verse 17, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. That's Judah's interest in harlots. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Sinners there is what? Is harlots. That's prostitutes. And we also have this account of Christ dining at the house of the Pharisee, Simon the Pharisee. Let's go together to Luke 7, Luke chapter 7, 36. we we'll begin at 36 and we'll skip away. I won't be able to read everything there is there. Luke recorded and said, Verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. What is this woman doing? There was the anointing of the Lord Jesus for his burial, as he would say in the book of John. But she was showing her devotion to Christ. She was showing her devotion to Christ. But let us hear the reaction of those who were around when this thing was happening to see if they approved of Jesus' intimacy with prostitutes. But that's the issue here. Jesus is getting too cozy with prostitutes. And the self-righteous were not so happy about that. Luke 7, verse 39. We'll skip there. Now when the Pharisee which had hidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, 
If he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. If Christ was a prophet, as he claims, Simon reasoned, he would have known that this is a relative of Tamar. She is a prostitute. But this is what the Lord said at the end of the conversation, verse 44 to 50, still in Luke 7. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say with themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee, go in peace. Because that is the end of the gospel proclamation. If thy sins, thy many sins have been forgiven you, you go in peace. In the peace of God. In the peace of Christ. In the sins that were forgiven were just not the sins of halotry. Jesus said, there are many sins. He knew about the many sins, even unconfessed sins, even sins of ignorance. Forgiven you, go in peace. The woman was justified from her sins, which thing the law of Moses could not justify her. And we shall see that Sister Tamar shall end in a like manner. Tamar is a sister. When you go to the Lord, go ask for Sister Tamar. You're going to find her around the throne. Praising her Lord. But let us see if our thinking is correct. Let's go back to Genesis 38, verse 16 to 19. And he turned unto her by the way, that is Judah, and said, God too, I pray thee, let me come in unto thee. For he knew not that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What wilt thou give me that thou mayest come unto me? Tamar knows how to play the halotry game. She says, we are not doing this for free, Mr. Man. What are you going to give me? I want something. 
Nothing for nothing. I want upfront payment. I want a deposit. And he said, I will send thee a kid from the flock. Judah wants to send a kid, a goat from the flock, for payment of the services rendered. But this is the issue. It's a payment that bears no identity to Judah. You have to hold on to that. The payment has to hold the identity of Judah. It has to be a payment from the side of Judah. His way of thinking in the flesh. It can be a payment that will incriminate him should this story become breaking news on Fox News. <laughs> Judah is playing smart. But he has found his match. Tamar is not budging. She says, Will thou give me a pledge? Till thou send me whatever you're going to send me. I want something here and now. Something for me to hold on to. You are not going to play me a fool this time around because once beaten twice shy you have had me in the past you did not give me your son as you had promised and I'm not going to fall for your gimmicks or even trinkets verse 18 And he said, what pledge shall I give thee? And she said, thy signet and thy bracelets and thy stuff that is in thy hand. And he gave it her and came in unto her and she conceived by him. So Tema is like, forget about the God. I have no use for it. That will not vindicate my story in the day of trouble. Give me your signet ring, your bracelets, and thy stuff. Give me the things that identify you. Things that everyone knows belong to you. Give me such a pledge that no one else is able to give and is unique and particular to your person. Yes, sir. Give me such things that indicate your power, your authority, your righteousness. And once that is settled, we are good to go. And the text says, And he gave it her, and came in unto her, and she conceived by him. She conceived by him, the man whose things she had been freely given. See that Tamar did not use a gun to get Judah to give her his possessions. 
Judah freely gave her those things because salvation is freely given to those who are of the house of Judah, of the house of Christ, who are prostitutes. Tamar was already of the house of Judah. (laughs) Even though she was a Canaanite. She belonged to the house of Judah by marriage. And it was the giving of those things as a pledge that formed the covenant. The memorandum of understanding that resulted in the bearing of fruit, the conception of Tamar, and the birth of the twins, through whom one of them, the Messiah, has to come. <laughs> Let's go to Second Corinthians 1. Verse 20 to 22. Paul says, For all the promises of God in him, that is in Christ, are here and in him, amen. Unto the glory of God by us. Judah gave a promise to Tamar. And it was yes and amen, not in Judah, but in Christ Jesus. Hear this. Verse 21, still in Second Corinthians 1. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. God is he who has established Tamar in Judah as he also has established us in Christ. And that to say, we are Tamar. We are the ones who are in the testimony of Tamar. And some people may get offended by that. Because they think they are more righteous than the harlots. No, we are the harlots. Christ has no interest in such who are not hallows. Because the other category of not being a hallowed is to be a self-righteous person. And the Lord never had any good conversation with anyone who considered themselves to be righteous. And then Paul says this, Still in Second Corinthians 1, verse 22, who has also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The earnest is the guarantee. It is the pledge given to such who are hallowed. <laughs> In the pledge that Christ has impregnated us with is the Holy Spirit. That is the point. All who are of Christ are impregnated of him by the giving 
of the Holy Spirit. A nun who is pregnant can hide it. That's right. I remember back in the day, even now I think, when sisters, sisters got pregnant and they didn't want anyone to know, they would get a big belt and tie it around their belly, try and hide it, but not for long. <laughs> you cannot hide the testimony of Christ if God has given it to you. Amen. If you have the Holy Spirit, he is going to speak of Christ and give testimony of Christ, right? Yeah. Verse 19, going back to Genesis 38. Moses says, And she arose and went away and laid by her veil from her and put on the garments of her widowed. So after that, Tamar changed her clothes. She put on back the clothes of her widowhood to say mission accomplished. And so she went away back to her father's house. Verse 20. And Judah sent the kid by the hand of his friend, the Adulamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he found her not. Judah did not sleep well that night. No, he did not. So he thought to retrieve his pledge back from Tamar through the hand of his friend, a very sinful friend. <laughs> but that's what friends are for. To do some dirty work. Yeah? A good friend, a Dulamite, everybody has their own hero. <laughs> These were some very good and loyal friend. Yeah? So Hira was despised and probably had been given some address, some coordinates of the location and description of the woman. Maybe Hira knew this place himself already, but he found her not. And pay attention to that. Hira had some, some God, some young God with him and looking to do an exchange, to do some business. But he did not find a prostitute in the description that was given him by Judah. Verse 21. Then he asked the man of that place saying, where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside and they said, there was no harlot in this place. So in both confidence and shame, Hira gathered up all the courage that he had and asked the man of the place about this harlot. You have to put flesh and blood to this. 
he probably was there a good 15, 30 minutes and he's just like pacing back and forth. They're like, okay, am I going to ask anybody about this harlot? <laughs> because as soon as you do that, everybody's going to know what you're up to. <laughs> but he got that confidence, even in that shame, and said, has anybody seen a harlot in this place? And he even said, where is the harlot that was openly by the wayside? That is too funny. Openly by the wayside? Who told you that? <laughs> and the man said what? There was no harlot in this place. There was no harlot in this place. And that is also the other title of our message. There's no harlot in this place. How can you find a harlot in the place of harlots? How can you not find a harlot in the place where you are supposed to find harlots? How can you find the righteous in the place of the unrighteous? That's the question. There's no hallowed here. How can that be? Because they've changed their clothes. Because they have changed their clothes, Christ has given them new clothes. As Tamar changed their garments. A change of garments provided by Christ. Verse 22. And he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. And also, the man of the place said that there was no harlot in this place. So, here I goes back to Judah with a report. And says, dude... <laughs> Bad luck. I cannot find it. Even the local man said there was no harlot in this place. Three witnesses, three witness statements have been declared about Tamar. Three times it was affirmed that there was no harlot to be found of all those who are in Christ. Why? Because Tamar was now carrying the seed of Judah. The seed of Christ. She had been impregnated of Christ. She now possesses the things given her by Judah. And once that has happened, you cannot find a harlot. It doesn't matter how much you look. You cannot find a harlot in me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because all who are in Christ are blameless. Yes, they are above reproach. Yes, because they possess the righteousness of Christ that is no spot or wrinkle. God sees no more harlotry in his people. Amen. To the brother who was asking 
earlier about striving and working hard to the end. The good news is it's not about our striving. It is in that God has given us that righteousness by which even here cannot find any hollow tree in us. But what was the testimony of Hira and his God? What did those things mean in the matter of the gospel? If Hira is successful in making the exchange with Tamar and retrieve the pledge that was given her by Judah, then Tamar is in serious trouble. Tamar cannot be vindicated by the pledge of a goat. Her situation will soon need redemption. But a goat cannot redeem her. Why? Because of Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Tamar could not be redeemed with a God. But there's a second reason why the pledge could not be retrieved from her. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. That's Romans 11.29. The pledge to Tamar was a pledge of salvation. A promise not from Judah, but from Christ. Thus, it could not be taken away from her, even though she was guilty. Salvation cannot be lost. That's right. That's, right. That's not the gospel. We were not saved by a grace that is a failing grace. Christ said it is finished. It is done. The payment made and accepted. That's the only reason why no hallows shall be found, even on that day. But let us hear Judah's conclusion when he had this matter from his friend. Verse 23. And Judah said, Let her take it. Let her take it to her, lest we be ashamed. Behold, I sent this kid, and thou hast not found her. Judah says, let her take it. Let her keep my things, my pledge. Let her keep my righteousness. Let her keep my Holy Spirit. Because if Christ could and would change his mind about you, because you sinned yesterday and today and tomorrow 
The problem is not you. It brings shame to his name. But Judah said, let her take it. Let her take it to her. I don't want to be ashamed. And God is holy. He is righteous. He does not have second thoughts about anything that he does. He cannot take the righteousness that he has freely given because it was given unconditionally to you and I. There was no condition for us to meet to get the things that Christ would give us. And thus there's nothing that we can do to lose that which was freely given us. So all the hallows who belong to Christ, Christ says, keep all the things that I've given you. <laughs> keep all the things that I've given you. Verse 24. And it came to pass about three months after that, it was told Judah, saying, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the harlot, and also, behold, she is with child by warden. So three months later, word came to Judah by some preachers who wanted her to be condemned. Preachers of the law. Because preachers of the law are always in your business. Seeking your condemnation. They even said, Tamar, thy daughter-in-law, hath played the halotry. And also, behold, she is with child by Wardom. Tamar has played the halot and gotten pregnant by halotry. And Judah said what? And Judah said, bring her forth and let her be bent. Bring her forth for judgment. Let her be bent because of a sin. That is where you and I are apart from Christ. That's the conclusion of the matter of all your sin that is captured in the language of halotry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very simple judgment. Bring her and let her be bent. A sentence of sin, death and condemnation has been pronounced. She must be bent together with the baby. And that to say there's no mercy. Because that is the declaration of the law. The law has no mercy to any who have been impregnated with sin. And that to say all are pregnant by someone. And there is a judgment. Yes, all were impregnated of sin in Adam. But there's more impregnation in the matter of what gospel people believe or possess. 
The question is, in this regard, who is your baby daddy? In other words, what gospel has gotten you spiritually pregnant? Because Pentecostals are pregnant. They claim to be pregnant. And they claim to be pregnant of Christ. Muslims pray and claim to have some pregnancy of Christ also to some level. Jehovah's Witnesses claim to be pregnant by Christ. Roman Catholicism claims to be pregnant by Christ. But shall we go to the Moorish show <laughs> to do some DNA testing to find who the baby daddy is? But there's no need for Mori in the gospel context. We can hear what the people are saying about Christ. John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits and hear what they're saying about Christ. That's the pregnancy test. Verse 25. When she was brought forth, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man whose these are, am I with child? And she said, Descend, I pray thee, whose are these, the signet and bracelets and stuff? Bingo. End of story. I am pregnant. I am with child. And I call on all who are descending. <laughs> Please, I pray thee, help me to figure out whose are these? The signet, the bracelets, and the stuff. Does anyone know? Because if we can find the man to whom these things belong, then we can settle the matter today. And we can have some lunch. We can settle the matter of my halotry if we can identify the man by whom I have been made pregnant. What is Tamar doing? She is bearing testimony of the things that were given her by Judah for her vindication. Hear the words that I'm speaking. Both their gospel statements. She is giving testimony of the things that were given her freely by Judah for her own vindication for righteousness. At this point in the transaction, she cannot bring the God that Judah had tried to give her through Hira for a pledge because that could not exonerate her testimony. She could not come and claim, listen to me, Tamar is the daughter-in-law of Judah. And at this time of judgment, 
she could bring a whole lot of testimony in an attempt to vindicate her story and say, yes, I'm pregnant, but father-in-law, remember, I used to iron your clothes. I used to cook for you, Judah, which things were true. She did things for Judah. She needs more than the things that she did for Judah for a vindication. You need more than the things that you have done for Christ for your vindication. She needs those things that were given her by Judah. And that is all she has for her life. If she should escape death. Because she is condemned to die. And many people have many things in their hands that they think is good testimony to bring to God for salvation. Things that they did or did not do. Things that they are doing for Jesus. But the question is, will Judah take it? Will Christ accept it? For Tamar, the harlot will hear this. Verse 26. And Judah acknowledged them. And said, She hath been more righteous than I, because that I gave her not to Shelah my son, and he knew her again no more. What did Judah do? He acknowledged the items that were presented before the court and said they are mine. And everybody agreed because they knew that they belonged to Judah. I gave them to her. I am the guilty one. She has been more righteous than I. And that is Christ acknowledging his own righteousness. For, for the vindication of those to whom he gave his righteousness. And also saying, I am the guilty one. Our sins imputed to him, he became the guilty one. And when he became the guilty one, immediately Judah made a pronouncement that Tamar was righteous. So when the crisis died, the immediate pronouncement is that all who are in Christ are righteous. They now possess by imputation the righteousness of Christ. She is more righteous than I. Christ will not acknowledge a righteousness that he did not give you already. He will not recognize it and he will not accept it. And there were many religious people, even in the time of the Lord, and even in our time, who are working things for Christ, but were never impregnated by him, and they will come to him, as the Lord said, they will. Remember what the Lord said, in Matthew 7, 
Verse 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And a lot of people, when they see the will of the Father, they are busy thinking, so I have to be doing something. The will of the Father is to believe in him whom he sent. Many will say to me in that day, many, the majority of the professing people will come on that day and say, Lord, Lord. And that is the language of familiarity to say, oh Jesus, I know you. Because if you're walking downtown Nashville and someone comes from nowhere and says, Elder Pickett, Elder Pickett, you know that this person, they know something about you. And people are going to come and say the same thing to Jesus. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonderful things in your name? The resume is so big, we have to put everything under many wonderful things. We did many wonderful things for you, Jesus. And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. He's saying what? I never knew you the way Judah knew Tamar. That's what that is saying. I never knew you intimately. The way Adam knew Eve. It is not a knowing of Jesus saying, Oh, I didn't realize your name was Barney Johnson. <laughs> it's more than that kind of knowledge. It's the language of intimacy. I never made you pregnant with my gospel. Never made you pregnant with my Holy Spirit. I never covered you with my righteousness. So depart from me. And also, if you look at the testimony, there's something that is missing. A lot of people will use this text to say, oh, they were lawless people because they were not progressing in sanctification. That's not the point. They were lawless because they were trying to earn or enter the kingdom by some other way other than the cross. The cross is missing in the testimony. The blood of the lamp is missing in the testimony. That's what Jesus is saying. They are talking about their works. Test every spirit. Judah must be found guilty for the sin of Tamar as Christ must be found guilty for our sins. And yet in vindication, it is by his righteousness alone that he has freely given us that we shall stand before him. And because we possess the righteousness, no harlot shall be found in you 
on that day, even in this day. And this is to say, those people, professing Christians and preachers, who condition your salvation on things that you do for Jesus, even the very good things, they do not understand the matter. Because Judah does not care for the things that you have done as tamer. Christ does not care for the things that you have done as a harlot. We have to understand this. The matter of the gospel is the satisfaction of God's righteousness and holiness. And there's nothing that one born in Adam can give to make satisfaction for their sin. Only the Christ and his blood are the propitiation for our sins. Only the Christ, the righteousness. And so salvation is by grace alone. I'll be landing in a few minutes if you believe a preacher. Salvation is by grace alone. And that means by what Christ accomplished and freely gave to his body, the church of the elect from every tribe, people, tongue, and nation. And that is what we possess in the day of judgment as Tamar said and still says because if you're going to bring a testimony before God number one, you're not supposed to be talking. The people in Matthew 7 they showed that they did not have a mediator for them. They were talking. If you come before God and you're talking, you're in trouble. Jesus is supposed to be the one to talk because he is the advocate. Don't be talking before God. Christ the mediator. So we end with the testimony of Sister Tamar. She says, when you come before Christ, before God, and the question is asked, (laughs) by whom have you been made pregnant? Tema says, by the man whose these are, am I with child? And that man is Christ. And the last word in that verse of Genesis 38, 26, says, and Judah knew her again no more. Why? Because salvation is a one-time transaction. Once, once you are saved, you are saved. You don't have to come back and dedicate. And then rededicate. And then come back again and rededicate your life to Christ. The impregnation happened one time. Because by... His one offering, he has perfected forever all those who are the sanctified. 
God be praised for his gospel. Amen. Amen. We are done.